Hey, and welcome to All Things Renovation with Brandy the Boss Lady and Paul the Wood Magician. We're a fun-loving couple who eat, breathe, and live all things renovation, and we'll be your hosts on this podcast. We created the podcast to help you take a confident role in your renovation dreams and get your project done right, on time, on budget, and with quality craftsmanship. Welcome back to the All Things Renovation Kitchen Series. I'm Brandy, aka The Boss Lady, and your host for today's episode. Hopefully after our last episode, you're getting excited or even more excited, and the vision for your new dream kitchen is becoming even more clear. In any space, function needs to drive form, but it is crucial in the hardest working room of your home. There's no point in creating a beautiful new kitchen that doesn't function any better than your existing one does. Today we're going to dive into some layout planning basics. I've said it before and I'll say it again. We need to ask some foundational questions, take stock of your space to define the area we have to play with before getting too carried away. Now you've got to identify what you love and what you hate about your space, how many square feet you have to work with, will you be extending it or keeping with in the existing envelope, what is the shape of your kitchen, what are the traffic patterns um, that are possible or which are the ones that you would be most uh, wanting to incorporate into your space? Is there an exterior door coming into your space? Are there stairs coming into your space? Um, are you relocating uh, the kitchen to a completely different area of your home? Uh, where will the dining area be in relation to where the kitchen is? And are you willing to remove walls? And where are the existing windows and doors lo currently located? Uh, would you be interested or would you consider moving them or maybe adding different windows? Now sometimes it's hard to reimagine our spaces because we get accustomed to what we have and where we have it, but sometimes it's great to start with a blank slate and not get too caught up with what is. Now this said, a pro tip would be to try and keep as much of your infrastructure in the same place, and I'm talking your plumbing and electrical here and especially the plumbing. Try and keep it as close as possible to where it is existing to help keep the costs down. But don't discount moving it if it will make the space function so much better. The cost might be really worth it. When I'm involved with the design phase of a project, we start off by defining the boundaries and any structural changes that we're gonna use in the space. Um, and then we start by placing what I call anchor items which are namely the appliances. And I play with this in AutoCAD, and if you're tech savvy, there are a number of online programs that you can use, such as SketchUp. Um, and if you're not, uh, you can play with the locations on a piece of grid paper, or as one client recently did, she mapped it out with some Lego. So to start with, you need to measure out your room with a tape measure as accurately as you can, but don't fret over a quarter of an inch here or there. It's just preliminary work. So really don't get wound up with getting down to the 16th of an inch or the millimeter. Now, after you've drawn or after you've measured it out, you want to you want to start drawing out the perimeter of your your space on a piece of grid paper and locate any of the windows, doors or other openings as well. Now, the grid squares can be at whatever scale works for you and the size of your room and the paper. So, for example, one square can equal 3 inches, 4 inches, 6 inches or even 1 foot. I wouldn't recommend going any bigger than that though. So for example, a three foot wide door using a six inch to a one foot scale would be six inches, sorry, six squares wide. 
now I would draw out the appliances on a different piece of paper and then cut them out so that they're loose and then start placing them around uh, the, the paper and the room to get an idea of which options might feel the best for you. Uh, check out the show notes on the All Things Renovation website for an example of what I'm describing. I know it might be a little hard to imagine in an audio recording setting. We'll get more in depth about appliances in a future episode, but unless you're planning to go with high-end appliances or are in a, a small apartment requiring narrower versions, appliances come in pretty standard sizes. Ranges are 30 inches, dishwashers are 24, fridges range from 30 to 36 inches, wall ovens are 30 inches, and um, oh, standard sink cabinets are about 36 inches for a double size sink, double bowl sink. Now you can find all kinds of variations within appliances and sinks, but as a starting point, these are good parameters to kind of get you rolling. Your interior designer or your cabinetry fabricator will draw out the full plan before it goes into production, but it's fun to flirt with the possibilities at this stage. So there's a few um, or a couple of things that I want to mention um, about where, when you're locating your appliances on your plan. There's a couple of theories that designers use. The first one is the magical triangle. We've all heard about this, I think. It relates to keeping your cooking, cleaning, and food storage areas within a reasonable number of steps so that you're not traipsing around your kitchen for no good reason. So here's a fun fact. Its origin was called circular routing, or routing, depending on if you're Canadian or American, um, and it was brought into being by Lillian Muller Gilbreth, who was an industrial psychologist and engineer. And the whole concept was rolled out at a women's expedition back in 1929, as scientific management principles were really in vogue at the time. Now these principles promoted labor efficiency and productivity, but they were later criticized a bit for treating humans like machines. Um, the concept of the triangle was further refined in the 40s, bringing it more or less to its current form. There are sort of four main, main points to the whole triangle concept. The first one was that the three main elements, the cooktop or the range, the sink, and the refrigerator, must be laid out in a triangle pattern. And each leg between, or the distance between them, would be four feet to nine feet apart. And that the total length of all three sides of this imaginary triangle must be no less than 13 feet, but no more than 26 feet. The second uh, concept that was involved in this is that the cabinets, islands, tables, and any other partial height obstacles must not stick into the triangle by more than 12 inches, the third thing was that full-height obstacles, such as floor-to-ceiling cabinets, should not intrude into the triangle at all, and that you should avoid having traffic come through the middle of your triangle, so i.e. foot traffic from one door to another, or one space to another. Now, the most obvious shape to utilize this triangle is the tr traditional U-shaped kitchens, but L-shaped kitchens generally can retain these core placements as well. Um, as does an open concept space uh, with an island, as long as the island houses the sink or a cooking surface in it. Now the galley style uh, kitchen breaks the traffic flow rule, but can still maintain the others. Um, now the second theory, and somewhat a more modern approach, especially as our kitchens are no longer just a sequestered utilitarian type of space and have multiple activities and often multiple cooks using the space at the same time, is to divide it up into zones by function, and in each of these functional zones have everything that you need for that task or series of tasks. So the common core zones would be your food storage, so your refrigeration, your freezing, um, and maybe a pantry, 
another zone would be your food prep. So you've got your your range, uh, your microwave, your small uh, appliances, cutting boards, mixing bowls, and that kind of thing. Um, the next zone would make sure that you have all your pots and pans, your cooking spices, oils, and all that kind of stuff in one area. And then uh, your cleanup area. So you'd have your sink, your dishwasher, garbage and recycling. And then uh, another area for all the storage of items that relate to your flatware, your glasses and cutlery. And this can include uh, some more mixing bowls if needed um, and some serving dishes. And depending on the size of your space and what your needs are, um, the layout and how you will be populating the cabinetry um, could also include zones for baking where you would maybe have all of your measuring cups and spoons. It may even have a lowered countertop if you're really into uh, baking bread and you need to do some kneading. Uh, you may want to have a small appliance garage area where uh, your mixer and your food processor and all that kind of stuff lives and, and even like your crock pot and popcorn maker and all that all of those sorts of small things that you know you use quasi regularly but not maybe not every day um, another area would be a coffee or tea station uh, and maybe another one for uh, a bit of an office or a homework area and then uh, maybe even a small area for, uh, I guess, what I would call a family hub. So like you have your mail, your keys, uh, notices or a calendar um, to keep everybody organized and know where everything is as far as, you know, heading out the door for your keys and so forth. Now, oftentimes the triangle guideline is layered into the zones, um, for uh, especially for larger kitchens. And then there's also... In supporting infrastructure that's incorporated into those plans with additional sinks or under-counter fridges, um, additional wall ovens or multiple dishwashers. And the idea here is to help minimize the traffic and the number of steps, again, required between activity centers. So for example, you know, you could locate a bar fridge with juice and pop close to where the glasses would be kept so that, you know, anybody just needing to have, get a drink in the middle of uh, a prep time would not be in the way. Um, or maybe you have a designated bar area uh, that you keep all of your wine glasses and all that kind of stuff, um, maybe even with an additional sink um, when you're going to have a big entertaining um, uh, setup. So, you know, there's a variety of different ways that we can incorporate different zones depending on what your needs are. Now, the National Kitchen and Bath Association also has um, additional guideline recommendations to keep in mind, um, and some of them are uh, that you want to have about 42 inches in between uh, countertop edges. So like if you have an island and then a perimeter um, run of cabinetry, you want to have 42 inches in between those two. Uh, you want to have 48 inches from the face of your fridge to a countertop, which will obviously allow you to open a fridge door and then you can still stand in front of the, the, the darn thing. Um, you want to have walkways that are a minimum of 36 inches. And then this one's interesting. It, it's about landing zones beside appliances. So uh, on one side of the fridge, you want to have at least 15 inches so that you can open the fridge and maybe set something aside or maybe bring groceries in and you can set it there and then put them in the fridge. Um, and you want to have about 18 inches and 24 inches on each side of your sink and then 12 inches and 15 inches on each side of the cooktop surface or your range. Now, as you're probably thinking right now, you're like, wow, there's all these like extra inches that we're going to be putting into our space and are we going to be able to get everything in? And um, with having these landing zones, you can take the larger of the width um, and then add 12 inches if you have a run where you have a sink and then a space and then your range, for instance. So you'd have 
say you're 15 and you're 12, so now we're at 27 in between your sink and your range, for instance. Um, and you want to have at least 30 inches for a food prep area for cutting and chopping and everything that's adjacent to your sink. And then you want to have your dishwasher close to the sink, ideally within 36 inches of it, and not right tight into a corner and not, um, uh, if it's going to be perpendicular to where the sink is, you don't want to have the dishwasher door being opened right in front of the sink because now you're creating a, a hazard as far as when you're, you know, maybe dumping something in the sink, juice or leftover water or whatever from a glass, and then you got to put it in the sink and now you're leaning way far over the dishwasher door that's been opened. So there's a bunch of different things that you have to keep in mind, but um, some of them are really obvious and then um, others are there as guidelines. And yes, if you have 40 inches in between two countertops, because that's just what you end up with, then, you know, as long as you're happy using that, I'm happy to put it in for you. But um, you need to know what the rules are so that you know when and how you could potentially break them. All right, so now we've got our anchor items in place, i.e. the appliances, um, and then we've got a general idea of the size of the areas beside them. Uh, now we're going to infill with cabinetry, and we want to do this thoughtfully and, and in, a in a design way so that we can provide the functional storage that your kitchen needs to make it a joy to work in. And we're totally going to get into all of the cabinetry bits and pieces in our next episode, so I hope you'll join us then. Um, also, it's near and dear to my heart because that's my trade background. And we're also going to be having Paul, our wood magician himself. He will be with me to talk about all of these cabinetry-related items. Um, and I uh, just really appreciate you joining me today. So have a good one, and um, we'll see you on the next episode. Thank you so much for hanging out with us today and learning about all things renovation. We hope after listening, you feel even more empowered to take a confident role in your renovation dreams. You can find all additional episodes and resources for All Things Renovation at our website, allthingsrenovation.com. And if you're ready to make your house feel more like home, you can contact us at woodbeart.com to get started on your dream project now.